We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Merez is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is probably entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook, with Abner, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who've made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook, where Abner Merez, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesday, episodes in Spanish out on Wednesday. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my co-host, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Nets news, Nets news, Nets news, Nets news. Yeah, we got some rumors. Obviously, NBA season wrapped up. We've been talking trades. We're going to break it up a little bit. We'll still hit you with another trade pod, but we want to touch on some of the latest Nets stuff. And as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, kick things off for us. Serge Barker, Nick, is there a growing chance we see Serge Barker head to Brooklyn? We saw him wipe his Insta page. We saw him say nice things about Kevin Durant in January before dropping a video for Bleacher Report, which I put out. And I knew it would create some form of cloud, but I didn't expect it to do the, the, the reaction that it got. Uh, as he said, we're very close. He's like my brother when talking about Kevin Durant. And then he comes out on Twitter himself and responds saying, let's not read too much into it. And he finishes the tweet with hashtag we the North, which is going to make us all very sad. So... Uh, look, the doc changed this morning. If we had done this topic yesterday, it would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, something's happening here. But then Serge Barker goes and tweets out and makes all Nets fans sad, including myself here down in Melbourne. Yeah, I'm not really too sad about it because I never had gotten my hopes up because I've just always thought it was kind of like a pipe dream, just given how much money he could make, where he's at in his career, being 31 years old, you probably want to get that last good contract. The Nets not having any cap space and being over the tax, they can't even really complete a sign and trade unless they were able to kind of manipulate some stuff. I mean, the only way I could really see the Nets making a move for Serge Ibaka in the offseason, I mentioned to you this off air, would be if the Nets got under the tax, got the full mid-level exception, were able to offer that to Serge Ibaka because that seems like the number that's going to be floating around for free agency given no one knows what to expect with the revenue for 2021. Yeah, it seems to me he he loves Toronto. He loves his teammates there. Um, they're going to be contending as well, like the Brooklyn Nets will be. The thing that's going to draw him to Brooklyn is if they think if he his relationship with Kevin Durant is so great, and he thinks that the chances of the Nets winning a championship, and they can provide him at least a similar compensation because you know 
like you said, he's in his early 30s. This might be the last decent enough contract that he gets. Maybe he does sign a one-year inflated deal. That's what I was going to say. Maybe he does sign the one-year deal and takes the pay cut for this year, knowing that he could get that big payday in 2021. I wouldn't rule it out completely, but the Nets definitely don't have things in their favor unless they make some type of move. Or maybe it's a point where he re-signs with Toronto. Toronto kind of sucks next year, and they want to make a trade at the deadline, which is another possibility. It, it, no, it's not. And I, I think that the, the status of, of Marc Gasol is probably going to dictate a lot of things as well. And, you know, Nets fans, obviously, we've wanted Marc Gasol as well. I think that for the semblance of this exercise and for the semblance of whether Serge Ibaka could head to Brooklyn, they should hope that, that Marc Gasol stays, if anything. Because and there's been that, a lot of rumors about him signing internationally. Yeah, and, and playing for Barcelona or the team that he does own in Spain as well. I mean, if you could play in Spain and earn millions of dollars, dear Lord. to live the country? Life, yeah, to live the life of Marcus Sol. To live the life of Serge Ibaka as well. I mean, he's a gorgeous man and has some great scarves. I don't know. Maybe OG Anobi scarves are better. Maybe that's the feud that brings him to Brooklyn. The scarves. Build it up. <laughs> Let's, um, yeah, I'm just going to post every day and then at both of them and say, hey, Serge, nice scarf there. And they'll do the next day at OG Anobi. Hey, OG, nice scarf there. And they're going to like create their own Twitter feud. But, or just uh, post like the best scarf stores in, in New York City. <laughs> like, true. I reckon... The scars are oh, not nah, because Toronto's pretty damn cold compared yeah. to New York. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's not the best idea. But <laughs> we'll get to some other Nets news. And, Nick, the, these new retro jerseys are absolute flames. We saw Kyrie Irving in them. We saw Joe Harris in one. We saw some great social. We've seen that the shorts are freaking sold out. We tried <laughs> to buy a pair this morning, and they're sold out, uh, which is incredibly disappointing for a person like myself. Uh, what are you going to be copping? What are your reactions to the to the new blue, white, and red? It's all the Drazan Petrovic, uh, I guess, sort of jerseys from uh, New Jersey days. Yeah, 30 years ago, the Nets found a new look, and this was these jerseys. And I feel like these is kind of the Nets showcasing some of their New Jersey love, New Jersey Nets love. And that hasn't necessarily been the case in Brooklyn. We haven't seen a ton of it, so I know a lot of fans were excited from that aspect. The jerseys themselves look beautiful. Uh, the secondary logo that the Nets could use with this little Nets logo, too, is nice, too. So, and shout out to the video team for what they did on social with uh, Brooklyn Nets' Twitter account when they dropped that video of putting the current players in these old-school jerseys on live feeds, which is not easy to do. So a lot of credit to them for that and making it look as sick as possible. I'm pretty excited about them, and I'm excited to see the Nets in some color on the court, too, because, like, the black and white is great, the gray is great, but it's cool to see some color, especially on the gray court. The blue and red yeah. should really pop. Oh, it'll, it'll pop big time. Nick, if you could cop any piece of merchandise with these new colorways, uh, what's it going to be? Is it going to be uh, a player jersey? Is it going to be one of those number tees? What are you going? What are you hoping to cop? I know I just said about the shorts. Um, it's We're heading into summer down here in Melbourne, the opposite of what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere up there in America, Canada, and everywhere else. So I really damn want those shorts. Um, at Brooklyn Nets, um, you know, you've slid in my DMs before when you graciously gave me a ticket to a game for Dwayne Wade's uh, final one. Uh, can you please let me know, give me a notification uh, when those shorts are back? I need them in my life. Yeah, I mean, Jack, all the stuff looks great. I mean, I already got a KD jersey, but I could get another one. <laughs> it wouldn't be the worst idea. The shorts do look beautiful. Even the t-shirt, like I said, I really like the logo. It's just like something different from the black and white, just giving you that retro look. Feels like it could go good with a lot of different like colorful sneakers. So I think all the gear, the shorts are tough. But I don't know. I have, a, I have a hard time spending 80 bucks on a pair of shorts. The jersey, 110, I can live with it. But like 80, and especially because you're going to probably wear them to like the gym or play basketball, I could see them getting ruined real quick. But they are beautiful. Yeah, I would wear them every single day. I'd wear them in bed, <laughs> I'd wear them in basketball. I'd wear them to work, you know. I'll probably get fired. But if I'm looking to fly as I do in those, I, I didn't just say fly. Uh, let's uh, edit that. <laughs> Edit that part out, please, Nick. You do all the work. This isn't the early early two thousands. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Um, in in saying that, um, it sort of sparked some ideas in my mind. And we know our guy Matt Brooks, um, with Pooch did did a really cool episode on on his stream. You know, debating the the cool sort of historic Brooklyn Nets jerseys. I found one that I put on my Twitter of, of Julius Irving with the the white jersey with the the red stripe and the blue stars, yep. which I freaking love. And I then there was some cool. Oh man, they're so damn good. And then there was um, some some good responses with the the sort of the colorways with the blue on them. I love both of them. I used to have those in the sock version, um, mm. which which I and those socks are now ruined because I wore them way too much. Um, but yeah, are there any that sort of spring to mind? So from you're obviously a much more historic and long tenured fan than I am. 
Uh, that New York Nets one, the one that you're alluding to with the white, red, and blue, and the blue down the side with the stars, that's beautiful. I have a Jason kid. The Nets used to give away a ton of jerseys when you had season tickets, so I was lucky enough to get one of those. Um, the the blue one, the blue version of that is also very nice, but I think you'd only bring back one of them at least in the course of like five years. Then I know a big a big fan favorite is the gray alternates from the New Jersey Nets. So it's a gray version of that blue one that you see there. I think that'd be pretty popular. The classic blue looks nice too. It just gives you that real New Jersey Nets vibe with Jason Kidd and obviously Richard Jefferson and even some of the Vince Carter days too. So I think really they have a lot of good jerseys for a team that hasn't been super successful the last 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I heard people debating on the jump. It's like, you know, do the Nets or, or, or it was no dunks. It's like, do the Nets have the, the best jerseys for a team that hasn't had much success? And I'm just like, maybe. And to be honest, um, people might know behind the scenes. I think it was actually on our first episode, you know, us speaking about the origins of our fandom and why we yeah. like blah, blah, blah. You know, 300 episodes ago, three years. It's literally about three years ago to this day. Yeah. But in saying that, you know, go check that out. That is still on Spotify and, and iTunes everywhere. Episode one. Episode one, the, the first ever. I did say that part of the reason why I did was drawn towards the, the Nets was because the black and white is pretty slick. But I cool. am enjoying the color now. And I do also I did also enjoy the memes of like, you know, the the slushies. Um the, the, <laughs> the icy yeah, yeah. Uh, the IC, sorry. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And, you know, sometimes uh, a, a bit of ribbing here and there and memes are, are going to look great. And I think as well, it suits Kyrie a lot because, yeah. like, woke dudes in sort of, like, tie-dye sort of stuff, it looks so good. I, I can't wait to see KD in one of them as well. And obviously my, my guy, Joe Harris, I think that that will be uh, those photos and videos will be saved to my OnlyFans <laughs> Patreon. Uh, make sure you subscribe to that one as well. It doesn't exist. Let's get on to some coaching stuff, Nick. Phil Handy and Mike D'Antoni. Frank Isola, a reporter for... I, don't, I think it's The Athletic these days. I don't even know where Frank Isola is these days. But a reputable enough source says that Mike D'Antoni and Phil Handy tweeted this out, are both potential candidates to join Steve Nash's coaching staff in Brooklyn, according to a source. Now, sources are anonymous sources are, are plenty in in the nba circles and we have reporter circles we've obviously heard and discussed phil handy at length he won the chip uh, with with the los angeles lakers we spoke about him i think on our last news episode yep. mike d'antoni we've brought up before but we haven't necessarily discussed at length and we haven't discussed it because there haven't been necessarily credible rumors outside yeah. of myself and you and matt and nolan sort of bringing them up does this bring more credence to that? And I guess d discuss with me what you sort of think upon hearing these renewed rumors. Yeah, I think, you know, Frank you Isola. Like Frank, you know, he has some pretty good takes. I think he works for ESPN now and SiriusXM and obviously he's part of the Yes Network and does some of the halftime shows. Um, I think Phil Handy, like you said, Jack, we talked about a lot. Mike D'Antoni would be very interesting. It's almost to the point where I'd have a hard time seeing him turning down a coaching job to be an assistant coach. unless he jobs left, though. That's the thing, because, yeah. like, when we did debate it, it was like, you know, um, he was the number one candidate in in Philadelphia. Yeah. And then Doc Rivers obviously swoops in. Uh, Indiana is seeming to be going a different route. And New Orleans is seeming to be I think that he doesn't have interest in Indiana. I think that's what it is. Okay. And so, I mean, we've sort of seen that the compensation, uh, there is no cap to the assistant coaching ranks. And Joe Sy has... He's Alibaba Soccer's doing well. He's earning money in this pandemic. He has shown that he's willing to get in deep into his pockets to create a, a winning culture and winning franchise. Can you see him doing that uh, for a guy like Mike D'Antoni and sort of being like, look, I can't necessarily give you as much as Jacques Vaughn, but I can give you as much as probably what the this your you your new your new coach is getting in Houston. I guarantee Tim Frate has probably given him like you know twenty thousand dollars and some stock for some of his restaurants and, and stuff. Uh, until, vouchers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, until Donald Trump gives him some money and some freaking stimulus package. But I guess, yeah, Mike D'Antoni, give me your thoughts on, on, on MDT. Yeah, maybe you talk me a little bit more into it because the jobs are drying up and then he's like, hey, I'll be an assistant for a year and then I'll pick up whatever great job opens up next season. I think it's a possibility. There's not many better ads you can have as an assistant coach. You know, offensively, he's one of the best minds in the NBA. He's arguably the reason the NBA offenses are the way they are is because of him and what he did in Phoenix and kind of made all those adjustments and got things cooking. 
So it'd be an intriguing ad. I think he has probably the respect of Kyrie and KD. And he's just a guy that it seems like a lot of players like because he's a player's coach and he wants to get the best offense out of you. And he doesn't really care much for defense. Wouldn't help the Nets in terms of like adding a defensive identity, but in terms of helping the offense and having that experience, there's not many better guys Steve Nash could have next to him considering they already have a relationship too. Yeah, Dan Tony sort of said that he was the coach when we, we, we yeah. had those remarks um, when Steve Nash was hired. So the, the relationship there is incredibly strong. And if the era of collaboration, yeah. the, the buzzword, pardon my pun, the buzzword in Brooklyn seems to be collaboration. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving wants collaboration. Katie wants collaboration. Steve Nash wants collaboration. Let's, uh, let's add probably one of the great offensive minds in the history of basketball in Mike D'Antoni. You know, I I just uh, I think with the remaining head coaching jobs, it seems to me that I, I would like him in New Orleans personally, but I don't know if you know Gail Benson is going to be willing to pay what is you know probably worth a, a guy of his stature. Maybe he does take a year off as well, but also at the same time he it's not like he got paid out uh, yeah. or fired. So I, I think that's one thing that I, I think he's probably going to try and find some work in in some respect. And I think that as an assistant coaching job. I don't think he would get more money anywhere else than in Brooklyn, yeah. if that does make sense. You know, whether it's uh, low seven figures, high six figures, whatever it is, you know, I don't necessarily can speculate what the the numbers are for that. But in saying that, it's it's, and I think as well, the amount of pressure and scrutiny that he has been under in Houston for the last couple of years to just play back step back fiddle to to a steve nash and sort of go all right i can sort of help you guys out here or there or he can be he can't be actually i'll, I'll put this to you do you think that the nets get phil handy and dan tony or one or the other what is your preference um yeah what do you think nick i think they'd love to get both i think that, yeah. you know you can add two great assistant co head coaches you uh, assistant coaches you definitely want to and try to make steve nash's life easier and then obviously like we talked about some of the relationships these guys already have there it'd be huge so and I think actually thinking about it a little bit more, Jack, I don't even know if any of the other assistant coaching job opportunities would uh, attract him as much. Like given the opportunity to work with a Katie and Kyrie, yeah, you're not the head coach, but you get to work with these guys. He would essentially be the Nets offensive coordinator and he'd work with a player that he loved in Steve Nash. And I want to say D'Antoni loved being in New York. He maybe didn't love the pressure of the Knicks, but I think he loved being in the city. So having that and having the opportunity to possibly win a championship, obviously you're not the head coach, but you still get a ring and it still counts. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised, actually, now the more that I think about it. And like you said, Jack, you kind of sold me on the fact that the coaching jobs are drying up pretty quickly, and he just seems like a guy that people aren't going after. And I've just kind of gotten the vibe that D'Antoni's not super interested in the Pacers. And they just, because they're not at that contending level, and they don't necessarily have, no disrespect, Corey, they don't have that excitement to them. You know what I mean? There's just no pop with the Pacers, and it's hard to see them becoming a contender. Even with New Orleans, there's excitement because you got Zion, you got Brandon Ingram, you got all these young pieces. Where can we take this team? How crazy can our offense be but i don't know i think it could happen the phil handy one almost seems less likely now given the lakers won a championship but we really don't know where he's at or where his mindset is at obviously this is all kind of rumors and speculation yeah i think i saw um silver screen roll whatever the lakers espionation account is like you know with the kevin hart meme um where the the girlfriend is holding him sort of saying like nets fans and, and pushing them away because uh they they're obviously incredibly fond of him and for good reason you know he just he he breeds success um his yep. presence just breeds success and you know the players LeBron love James, him uh, players absolutely love him you know he was rooting for the head coaching job like we mentioned plenty of times yeah i it, to me just thinking about it nick and talking through it with you it'd just be n not weird in a bad way but it'd be weird that steve nash is the head coach but he has two former head coaches as his assistants. Yeah. And two, like, you know, Jacques Vaughn, you know, did Two well guys that the... were rumored to get jobs this offseason. Exactly. And it, it'd just be, I mean, weirder things have happened. You know, the NBA is a weird and wacky place. And sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. So I, I, I'm a fan of it. Um, I was, I remember when the Dan Tony rumors were sort of lingering around. I was on that train. I was on the, the MDT train. I was, you know, I was getting the tickets. I was getting the return tickets as well. Um, <laughs> I just think that what he can provide offensively and creative, creatively, I think obviously he has a history as well um, at Team USA with guys like Kevin Durant. So I think that there's, a, there's an established relationship already there. And you want to surround them with, with when it comes to assistance with guys that are, he would be the best, let's put it plainly and simply, he would be the best assistant in the league. 
because yeah. he's already one of the he's obviously not a championship coach but he's probably the one of the best championship one of the best non-championship coaches anyway yeah. if the nets get him he would be the best assistant in the league um and obviously phil handy's probably one of those guys as well there's other guys behind the scenes in toronto and san antonio <laughs> becky hammond is awesome but mike d'antoni has coached um you know, obviously a lot of good teams <laughs> incredible teams incredible yeah. revolutionary teams obviously haven't had the the final success but you know his uh his creative mind a basketball mind mm-hmm. is almost unparalleled so yep. we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that there's no doubt about it any final thoughts nick before we uh, move on to some uh hilarious news about the bucks wanting joe harris no i think just to say i think like you won't see things happen with phil handy or d'antoni until like the head coaching jobs fill up because i think guys still want to hold out the opportunity to possibly get those jobs or what, at least interview or see what's out there. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you want to explore all options. And obviously an assistant coaching job isn't the, the most glamorous role in the NBA, but it's a job nonetheless. And, and currently, you know, I think all of us, you know, anyone who is lucky enough to be employed in this current uh, unstable climate, let's put it that way, to say the least, you know, it, it's, it's a blessing in a lot of ways. Yep. I count myself in, in that for sure. So, Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility of your hiring. You only pay for what you need and can pause your account at any time. And there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you with the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. But we'll get to this ludicrous rumor. We mentioned it somewhat on the uh, free agency outlet, which will be dropping or have dropped really, really soon. Make sure you check that one out. Um, I obviously fawned over Joe Harris, the, the free agent, who should have been ranked number one. <laughs> but the Bucks certainly, with the compensation that they're willing to offer him, don't think he is a number one sort of guy. Mid-level exception. They had. They like, oh yeah, let's just get the best shooter in the league. The guy who wears headbands better than anyone. The guy who has a glorious beard. The guy who has an awesome bicep celebration. Let's just offer him a mid-level exception. Please. Nick. Yeah, I, this was a joke when I saw it. I don't even know why people even gave attention to it. Just the fact of like, if the Bucks can offer him the mid-level exception, why would he sign with the Bucks and not sign with like the Lakers? You know what I mean? Not sign in L.A. Because if he's signing for the mid-level exception, a team like that's going to want him. A team like the Clippers is going to want him. The Nets are going to end up probably paying like 12 to 15 mil a year for him. Someone's going to push them a little bit further. But the Bucks have, I would say, no chance at signing for the mid-level exception. Uh, I don't even give him 1%. Yep. Yeah, um, I... I would offer him more um, in terms of the uh, some of the revenue that I've been getting from this OnlyFans and Patreon <laughs> that I've been doing. You know, please, it's a joke. It's an insult. And no one, whether it's rumors or whatever, or whoever's reporting it, if it's guys in the front office there in Milwaukee, uh, please, guys, you, you, you got to get a bit smarter than this. Maybe this is the reason why you didn't win the championship and you, you're retaining a coach who can't even freaking make adjustments in the postseason. Please, Mike, please. Please, John Horst. John. John. <laughs> Come on, mate. But I wonder if maybe they were thinking more of a sign-and-trade scenario. That would maybe be something that would be a little bit more yeah, enticing. It's a great return, Nick. <laughs> Give me some Pat Connaughton and a retired Marvin Williams. Come on. Don't make me laugh, mate. Please. Um, I don't need to add 
anything extra if you do want some more extra stuff make sure you dive into to the outlet where we discussed your Harris free agency at length and also uh, my only fans and patreon which does not exist let's get on to a renewed rumor i brought up that before when it came to mike d'antoni it's a renewed rumor with drew holiday as well nick brian windhorse on the hoop collective pod he said it and he also said it in the way where it was like he didn't say don't aggregate me which is what something like Hume, bill simmons ryan russillo and said it like five times on the podcast about other stuff and not about this one. So. All the time. But he didn't say it here. And I'm, maybe, again, I'm probably reading into things a little bit too much. But that's what we do when we have a podcast about a team um, that we love and uh, a guy that is, has been rumored to this team for a very, very long time. And there are uh, uh, increased rumblings, to say the least, about Drew Holiday uh, making his way to Brooklyn for some sort of trade package. Now... Are your thoughts changed on this at all, hearing this from Brian Windhorse? No, I think it's kind of almost things that we've anticipated for almost a year now. Like this, Drew Holiday's been a name we've mentioned for a long time going to the Nets, you know, given it was the last offseason or this offseason, talking about him and just the possibility and the fit you would have next to Kyrie Irving. I do think the interesting thing about, like, what they said is, like, oh, yeah, the Nets need to include Karis LeVert or Jared Allen. That'd be something that intrigues them. But it's, like, funniest because – People are talking about Victor Oladipo, and I'm not saying Oladipo is a better player, but they're like, oh, Oladipo is on an expiring contract. You don't have to pay as much money. Drew Holiday is on an expiring contract. He has a player option for $27 million in 21-22 when a ton of teams are going to have cap space. I expect him to opt out. So I think the Nets have a little bit more leverage than people are kind of letting on in this situation. Maybe I'm overvaluing the Nets prospects and their picks or whatever it might be, but I just feel like the fact that Drew Holiday is expiring is an underrated aspect that no one really discusses. I, I agree. You know, I think that that's something behind the scenes that you're not going to get anywhere else other than on the Brooklyn Buzz. You know, you're not going to get the smart analysis as well <laughs> as the ridiculously stupid analysis from a guy like me. Uh, you'll, that's why that's why we are on a pod together, so we can get we can level each other out. It's why it's lasted so goddamn long, in a good way, in a good way. Not saying that in a bad way, but yeah, I I, I think that I'm slightly more positive about it because of the fact that. When you hear it from a specific source, you know, if it's like the guy who had like six followers who posted it, like, <laughs> Lavert is going to be trying Yo, I don't was... understand how people can't spell his name right. He's been in the NBA for a while. He was just popped off in the bubble. Like, spell his damn name right. Karis Lavert <laughs> and uh, LeBron James without the capital B. Oh, um, it's, 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 um, it's dumb. Um, or and... resign versus resign. Like, that's... Uh, yes. Grinding my ears for a long time. Uh, yeah, for, for people that are a big part of a, a website that puts out a lot of articles, uh, we have specific things that get on our nose. But it, yeah, uh, getting back to, I guess, the fact that this came from Brian Windhorst, a guy at ESPN, the guy that's been tuned in with a, with a lot of net stuff as well, relating to Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, these sort of guys. You know, he, he's, he's, he's a switched on sort of guy. Um, and, and when he says something, I generally do pay attention. It's not, again, like a guy with six followers who can't even spell one of our best players. So to me, it does make me, you know, my eyes open up a little bit. The eyebrows get raised that little bit higher. But I guess in saying that, it doesn't necessarily change my opinion. You know, I think that he would be a perfect fit on this team. We've said that plenty of times. Listen to basically every single pod for the past two months, if you want to hear us. The season that. ended. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, since, yeah, March, basically. If you want to go back to March, listen to those episodes again. Resubscribe. You know, do what you got to do. Um, we, we love the numbers and we love all the content and the interaction. But yeah, it does make me raise my eyebrows a little bit more if that does make sense, Nick. It makes me feel like there's been conversations already for sure. Like it's more like there's been details talked about the trade about some of the works and maybe it's the Nets sitting there and being like, we know we could probably get Drew Holiday. Do we want to offer this much for this player? Exactly. exactly. Or the Pelican side too, waiting on the head coaching thing. You know what I mean? Not having a head coach dictates a lot because if they get somebody who's less experienced or less known and they're willing to maybe take some time, trading Drew Holiday makes a lot more sense. If they were to get Mike D'Antoni or a big name head coach, it's more of a win now situation where there's probably a little bit more pressure and you maybe want to keep a veteran like Drew Holiday and even a guy like JJ Redick who we mentioned on uh, our previous show. Absolutely, and um, again, listen to those trade shows. Uh, we've done, we've got a lot of evergreen content on the Brooklyn yep. Buzz. So um, if you're ever stuck for it, it's just like, oh, where is the Brooklyn Nets podcast? Oh, there's no articles. Check out the Buzz. We've got plenty of that stuff. Let's go to a discussion that was had on Twitter a little bit on Nets Twitter. This was via a Brooklyn BKN711 at Brooklyn Nets 85. Is it a hot take to say I'd trade more for Roko than for Oladipo? And Karis isn't going anywhere near either package, obviously. 
Now, taking the trade away from it, Nick, who would you prefer? I'm again, we, we've spoken again, both guys on the trade episodes. But Robert Covington, Victor Oladipo, better fit. Who do you want more? Give me your thoughts. If we're keeping Karis LeVert, it, it's almost redundant to have Victor Oladipo. You know what I mean? Okay. Having another two guard, you already have Kyrie at point guard. How much? How many minutes are you going to be able to get for these guys? And I think the organization views Karis very highly. So I think Robert Covington makes a lot more sense because he fills a need. He can play the four. He can play the three. He can defend, you know, good players like we've kind of mentioned before he's not necessarily the best on-ball defender but his off-ball defense is great in terms of helping and that's something that the Nets will probably need given that you know Kyrie Irving is not a lockdown defender Karis Avert is yet to show he can be the defender we think he can be Spencer Dinwiddie's inconsistent KD's coming off a torn Achilles you want to have some of those good help defenders and a guy like Robert Covington and also a guy who's shown a lot of versatility and you know being able to play even the five and He's a good three-point shooter, too. So offensively, he knows his role. I think he's good in transition. I love the add of Robert Covington, in which we talked a lot about on the last show. Yeah, and I think that you... Obviously, we know Oladipo is... The, the rumors are strong that he will not be in Indiana for the, for the long term. But you also do have to pay him in the near term. And yep. what is that contract going to look like? Uh, what does he look like? What does he look like? Exactly. I've spoken about that on, on, on JVT as well. So you can check out OGG Basketball off the glass on YouTube for that. But in terms of Covington, I think that there's a way to just... Let's get some let's get some of these Houston guys. You know, yeah. Daryl Morey's not there anymore. So obviously, and Tillman, Fatata, Fatita, Potato, <laughs> Potato, Tomato, Tomita, whatever you want to call him. I, I don't... I don't, I don't pronounce the name, like, unlike Corey, I deliberately don't pronounce the names correctly of people that I don't like. So Tillman Frittata, um, you can target that, the, the, the assets and, and players on that roster because I don't like, I, I just don't think that he's going to want to, he's, he's shown like, oh yeah, I'm going to pay in the luxury tax. See you later, Trevor Reza. Oh yeah, I'm going to do this. See you later, Chris Paul. Or like, so I think that, PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, Daniel House, Jeff Green, uh, Ben McAmore, all these role player guys behind Russell Westbrook and James Harden are gettable, I think. And it's it, it obviously if the direct- you're saving money for them in the deal. Like if you're taking on the extra two or three million, they'll love it. And if you throw some picks their way, because yeah. I don't know, they're <laughs> almost as breathed as, for picks as the Los Angeles Clippers. And that's not a bad thing. That's because Daryl Morey shrewdly went all in and he built the team well. The. Where Houston lies right now, obviously, is the discussion for another day and for a different episode. But I think that's where Sean Marks can be crafty. And where behind the scenes, he's sending some texts um, to whoever the new guy is. I can't remember his name. <laughs> but, you know, he's probably... he's probably. Uh, I reckon his contact list is very extensive. If he doesn't have his mobile, he's got his email. And another thing, too, is the coaching situation here. You know, the next coach is probably going to want a center. And Jared Allen's the guy they can make a move for. Obviously, in a dream world, we'd hope it would be DeAndre, but it's not going to be. It's going to be Jared Allen, probably. Jared Allen and Torian Prince might be enough to get you Robert Covington, you know, and then maybe take back some other money in whatever way they want to sell, uh, save money, be it Ben McElmore, be it Daniel House, whatever they want. Maybe you have to put in a first-round pick. Like we talked about off-air, the Nets probably don't really care much about their first-round pick, given that they're looking for a championship this year. So I think Robert Covington's really attainable. I think P.J. Tucker's really attainable. I'd be more intrigued with Covington, just given he has one more year in his deal. I think, obviously, given his age, he's probably in a better spot to continue to play at the level he's playing at. The thing with P.J. Tucker that scares me is he has an expiring deal. There's been a lot of rumblings about him wanting to get a paycheck because he's been taking so many pay cuts. But still, he'll be like... I want to say he'll be like 35 or 36 next year, but still, I'd love both guys. Maybe there's a world the Nets can land both of them. Yeah, I mean, stranger things have happened, and obviously, the Nets are going to be doing everything to improve. And like I've said a million times, and and like I said on on the free agent outlet, you know, the Nets need defense. Both of those yeah. guys play great defense, and Robert comes in jumping versatility um you know we need defense and the houston rockets have got some good defenders uh, that the nets could sorely sorely use um a guy that thinks he might be no um uh, in, uh, dinwiddie spencer dinwiddie our favorite um you got you, your open invitation spencer no response mate you know the, i got the tequila waiting this is full of tequila my guy <laughs> I, i'm sorry i'm holding up a we're doing too much video stuff i'm holding up a bottle that is full of um Full of water. <laughs> it's not tequila. Well, Spence, that- just so you know, we can talk about other topics too. I know a lot about Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Super. I've been getting into the stock market. Not as much about Bitcoin, but, you know. Yeah, you, sway us, mate. Uh, I'll, I'll invest in the crypto. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll buy some right. Whatever you need, my guy. Um, we're here. 
You know, the, we the will give you a free sponsorship on the show. <laughs> I just everything. You know, we've been doing all right lately. The the bus has been doing some decent numbers. We do some better numbers with you. You you can you can be a co-host. I'll, I'll <laughs> leave the podcast to be a producer if you want to get on. Um, Nick Spencer did when he was on the jump. Um, that's what we were alluding to, and he was saying, he said obviously the. It, um, a, a lot of stuff. It was great to hear that he feels really healthy right now after recovering from COVID. Um, he was saying, obviously, how enthused he is about the Steve Nash hiring. But the one uh, quote that I guess stuck out, and we're going to overanalyze, like I said to uh, some people on Nets Twitter, obvious, this is uh, Spencer on his role next season. Obviously, we don't know who's going to start and who's going to come off the bench as of right now. I viewed myself, if we were going to take the Golden State model, as the Draymond Green. The glue. Sometimes I get 10 rebounds. Sometimes I get 10 assists. Nick, is Spencer Dinwiddie the Draymond Green? This is something I feel like I'm an ESPN or first take. Um, what do you think of that comment? No, I think what Spencer's doing is he's really advocating for a role on the team next year. And he's done this since media day last year. We recall, yep. he said a similar thing. We're like, hey, this year I might need to get 10 assists. You know, Kenny asked me to do all different types of stuff. Obviously, Kenny isn't there anymore. But I honestly think Dinwiddie is able to kind of adapt to different roles maybe he will he'll never be the elite defender that draymond green was but he can kind of fill some of those glue spots with the rebounds the assists and i think defensively he has a lot of potential to up his game like he has the tools to be a good defender we've seen on occasion we always point to that philadelphia playoff series uh what comes to mind too is that block on blake griffin to end the game yep. yep So I think there's also some versatility being 6'6", being lanky, being a wing, I mean, being a guard. So I don't hate the idea, and I like the the mindset from Dinwiddie to be like, hey, I'm willing to do whatever the team needs me to do so we can get this championship. And honestly, it makes me want to keep him on the team more. It does, especially when you're... And I had this as a topic for previous pods, but I I can kind of bring it up now. And we can dissect probably this and and, and a lot of other things on, on future pods. But you look at the similarities to non-star players on potential championship teams. And the one that immediately comes to mind is the Los Angeles Clippers. And a lot of people have brought up that comparison point before, which I do understand. You have two superstars who no doubt deserve and will get preferential treatment. But the mindset of their non-star players, Montrose Harrell, Patrick Beverly, um, and Lou Williams is like, whoa, why are these guys getting all this? Whereas you're already... Yeah, you've heard from Karras, you've heard from Spencer, you've heard from Joe... You've heard from Torin, you've heard from Jarrett, you've heard from every single other guy on the roster that is just like, man, we need to like utilize these guys. We need to make them stand out. We need to make them better. They're going to get us the wins. You know, we're here to make them more successful so they can bring us the success in turn. And that's the mentality that I think that if those players had had, then I think that the Clippers probably could have got the chip. And I think that locker room dynamics, I said this to you off wax to you and Corey, doesn't totally matter unless it is wholly positive or wholly negative. And yeah. it was wholly negative in in Los Angeles. I think it could be wholly positive in Brooklyn. We've already we've heard nothing but positive stuff from, you know, we've seen great photos. We've seen all these photo opportunities. You know, we've been to games and we've sort of seen guys joking with each other. We've seen Kevin Durant high-fiving himself, um, which probably isn't the, the best description and, and the best indicator. And Spencer right? actually mentioned it on the show too. Exactly. He said, he said uh, this is a quote uh, via Alex Thurum. Obviously, we have Nash, we have Vaughn, we have two guys who have won championships and they've been there. And then we have an emotional leader in DeAndre Jordan. So I think the collective, those five, there's enough there to lead the group. So right there, that's something that makes you feel a little bit more confident. And I think like you mentioned, Jack, the difference in the Clipper situation, the Nets, young guys and role players respect Kyrie and Katie and understand who they are and how they can help them get to a level that they wouldn't be able to get to without those two. And Lou Will, Pat Bev and Montrez Harrell doesn't seem like, didn't seem like they understood that, especially I would say from Montrez and Lou Will. Pat Bev is always crazy. That's kind of what you expect. He almost <laughs> needs, he needs to be crazy to be good. Bring him to the Nets. Um, then I might like him a little bit more despite the the fact that he's, that all of those three have some... I mean, I like Lou Will. I've got nothing bad to say about Lou Will, but Montrez, Pat Bev, Mar- Marcus Morris, those guys I could speak about for days about some negative things. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's positive to hear. And I, I do... And focusing, I guess, on Dinwiddie, the player, like you sort of mentioned, Nick, I do think that there is potential in areas of his game that you sort of said that haven't been utilised yet, you know? And we've probably seen him be maybe Brooklyn's most malleable player. Yeah, he's just like, all right, we just need look you at his to be roles from when he started to where he's at. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just like, all right, um, you got to be our best player now. Cool, I'll be our best player. All right, Spence, sorry, you got to be the sixth man now. All right, I'll be the sixth man now. Um, you need to create for others. All right, I'll be second in the league or lead the league in assist to turnover ratio. 
now is it going to be we need you to be the best defender on the team? Maybe. And I'm not I'm not discounting it. I'm obviously we're going to be more more optimistic as Nets fans. And you know obviously we've criticized you know Spencer Dinwiddie's time for his defense. And I think at times because he's had to do too much or. But Kenny obviously, I think, saw something in him as, as a defender and, you know, gave him key assignments in, in games like you mentioned, Blake Griffin and, and other games in Philadelphia as well. So who knows? Um, anything can happen. And he's like you said, too. he's quick. Um, he's quick. He's, he's, he's got good lateral quickness, which is something that's important in defense. Uh, he's strong, underrated, strong, uh, has underrated strength, you know, going up against a guy like Blake Griffin, going up against a team like the Sixers and showing great defensive acumen. Um yeah, I mean, I'm all, I'm all in on uh, Spencer Dinwiddie for Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. You know, I said he was going to win Sixth Man of the Year last year or the year before. <laughs> now it's the Defensive Player of the Year. I've got to get that article written down. But yeah, I, I, I'm just uh, these comments are good. And uh, again, Spence at OTG Nick at the JMN JVT. We'll get the Tequila Gong guy. We'll send it to you. We'll Postmates it. We'll Deliveroo, whatever it is that you guys have over there that are alcohol delivery services. Again, we're, it's like we're all now with COVID. <laughs> again, we're all 21 here. You know, we're all adults, and we'll have some fun. We'll have some fun. Um, just touch on we'll, that though, real quick. I just yeah. I think as an off-ball defender with his speed, it provides so much value. And just given how much screens are such an impactful part of today's game, I feel like that's one area where he probably could get better is in avoiding screens or kind of like trying to create a little bit more contact. But like you mentioned, having such a big workload, you don't want to exert that type of energy on the defensive end. In a lesser load, hey, he might be able to turn into a really good defensive player. Don't expect him to be Drew Holiday, but I think that he could uptake his game from being maybe average to slightly below average to being above average to good. Yep. And the Nets need, again, like we've said, and we've mentioned on this pod a lot, we need good defense next season. You know, and I think hustle, the plays. Yep. I think the offense is going to be okay. <laughs> I think that it should be fine. Nick, um, to one of our final topics, this one has been lingering around a little bit, and I, I wanted to touch on it because we are we don't just touch on the star superstars on, on these pods. Um, the Justin Anderson and uh, Chris Joza were speaking to uh, Alex Schiffer of The Athletic, and they were talking about, I guess, their, their free agency and off-season sort of mindset and, and prospects. And this is what Justin Anderson said. Uh, it's too much going on. Season's still happening. We're not in true off-season. Rules haven't been made. There's just so many things. Right now, for me to even think about that, we talk about all the time, you know, control what you can control. For me to worry about what if um, I'm going to be on a training camp or if I'm going to be on a team is something that I can't waste my time thinking about right now. And Chioza added, I'm pretty certain that I'll find somewhere. I'm not really thinking about it too much. I take it day by day. Just focusing on what I can control. Free agency isn't something I can control. I'm just going to let everything play out and hope for the best. We both hope that these guys find roles, whether it's with Brooklyn or beyond, because we're massive fans of Justin Anderson and Chris Chioza at the buzz. Yeah, no, both guys worked really hard to get to this spot and be where they are and have an opportunity to play in the NBA. I feel a little bit more confident Chris Gioza getting a job. Justin Anderson's kind of already had a little bit of a run around the NBA, so teams kind of have an idea of who he is, unless he drastically improves. I think he'll be kind of trying to catch at the end of a roster, maybe get a training camp deal, or maybe he's a guy that the Nets sign if they you know make a huge deal and they need to fill out the roster. Gioza, I think, really has shown the playmaking ability that – has enough to entice a team and be like, this is a skill that actually is really valuable in the NBA. Obviously, defensively, Chios is a major question mark with his size. Jump shot, lack of confidence offensively is an issue. But I think there's enough promise and potential where a team will probably take a chance on him. And it could be the Nets. If they do end up trading Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Avert and they want to add another guard, Chioza would be a guy that KD likes. He's familiar with the system and familiar with the other players. And you wouldn't necessarily have to depend on him to a high extent especially because one of the players that's added is likely a guard. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, I think I thought Justin Anderson was good in his spurts in, in, in Orlando. I liked the, the willingness to take the three-pointer. You know, maybe a bit five, fit, five <laughs> foot a little bit too deep sometimes, but um, I, I think that he still has something to offer. And If and- he can get that three-point shot to where he is consistently like a 36 or 37 percent three-point shooter he'll easily have a spot in the nba because of like you said jack the energy and the defense and the other stuff he provides that's never in question it's like can you not be a net negative offensively which he's been most of his nba career yeah and and then i think you know he feel, it feels like to me if daryl morey and mike d'antoni were still in houston he feels like a guy that they would take a flyer yeah. on make him take five threes a night and just rebound the ball like and play some small ball five for them probably. Yeah. You know, make it a little bit, life a little bit easier for PJ Tucker. And yeah, Chris Chioza, you know, we love Chai Chai. We love cheese on this pod. And 
obviously has the highlights and you know, the, the consistency in the bubble wasn't great. He was given some more opportunities. Um, obviously, there are some pronounced weaknesses in his game. But like you said, he does have enough skill, enough talent that I think he can be on an NBA roster, you know, 12 to 15 or whatever it might be. Heck, if campaign can revitalize himself and, you know, turn himself into like a sort of backup guard and six. Yo, campaign looked nice in the bubble. <laughs> exactly. I think he's going to be on the Phoenix Suns and, and produce for them. So uh, it certainly you know, makes me uh, a bit more optimistic about a guy like Chris Chiosa. So I think Chiosa has to get a lot stronger. He because does. he's so undersized, he has to have like that Fred Van Vliet strength where like, yo, I'm undersized, you're six inches on me, but you're still ain't moving me. And we just saw Chioza get moved way too much. Some of that's the Nets defense not protecting him, but some of that's just on him not being strong enough to be, you know, an everyday NBA player. Absolutely. Nick, we'll finally touch on and finish with Kyrie Irving, the locker room cancer. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, the disruptor. No, sorry, actually, it's Kyrie Irving continuing to contribute to the local community. So, and this is um, via Scoop B and some others. Uh, he saved his high school alma mater from closing down by donating money to keep them afloat. Um, Al Harrington on Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is the one that saved the Patrick school. I'm going to give him credit where credit's due. I make my small contributions to help out, but he's the one. Now, we see all of the BS. And like I said, we're going to give Kyrie the credit where credit is due. We're also giving the criticism where crit crit criticism is due. We try to be as objective as possible on this pod for a team-based pod, but we're not going to call out. We are going to give him the credit for this because it's it's just awesome. You know, the, the amount that he has done for so many different causes, it just seems to me that how, mu how much do you need for your actions to speak louder than your words? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, that's a saying that all of us sort of believe in. And while Kyrie Irving says some dumb stuff and some controversial stuff on some podcasts and some Instagram lives, look at what he's doing for the community. Look at like the behaviors. Look at the actions. Look at the money. Look at the contributions. Surely that has to be like, oh, no, nah, it doesn't discount from calling the earth flat. I mean, I was highly critical of that on all, you know, podcast platforms that, that I was on when I was um, starting off with OTG. But now it's just like, okay, that's just a dumb comment that a kid made. And what actually matters is and what he actually he hinted at it being part of like a marketing ploy for Uncle Drew. I, I still don't think I still I still think that that might have been an excuse, but I don't <laughs> care about it. it. Like to me, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you do. Putting your yeah. money where your mouth is, putting your influence where your mouth, um, where you can. And he's done that in so many freaking ways that we could do an entire podcast about it. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And it's fine. Like, you want to talk shit about Kyrie when he says something dumb or does something bad or disrespects a teammate or says something bad about a coach? Whatever. That's fine. But you have to give him credit when he does something great. And saving a school is a pretty big deal. You know what I mean? And we've talked about a lot of the great things he's done, especially with the WNBA and allowing players who sat out and giving them money so they could live their life and not have to feel to be in a pressure situation. Obviously, everything he's done for the Black Lives Matter movement and everything he's done in terms of the NBA and having the role that he has in the Player Association. So I think Kyrie just needs some respect, especially for some of the real life-changing things he's doing off the court. On the court, whatever. Criticize him all you want, but off the court, he's really been you know, amazing the last two years and probably more than we even know for the previous years because he doesn't necessarily talk about it. Yeah, it just it just seems to me that we give, I mean, I'm not going to, like, I, I agree with him somewhat saying we live in a clickbait society, but I also agree that he sometimes creates that clickbait himself. But I also think that we need to He doesn't focus. realize that he's like a star player and such an icon. Like, he thinks that he should be treated like everybody else, but that's just never going to be the case when you're no. that big of a star. No, and 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 that's fine. You know that that comes with the that comes with the paycheck. Uh, un yeah. Unfortunately, some people you get the preferential treatment, you get the big dollars. What you what you say is going to be uh, dissected uh, to the minute degree. Um, every little word, how you say it, when you say it. You know, we, we when Kyrie Irving after a poor game against the Philadelphia 76ers in a loss, and he you know rattled off a heap of names and didn't mention certain players. We dissected that. We criticized him for it, but we also think. Things that are bigger than basketball, especially now, Nick, yeah. especially now, when people are struggling, be it schools, be it uh, people in their livelihoods, be it food, whatever it is, we need to be more uplifting towards people in society that are doing doing the good. You know, LeBron James was freaking had opening a school and his, his voting initiatives. All of the people that are doing great things in the NBA and beyond, obviously, 
you know, we are a basketball podcast, but there are people beyond that are doing so much more that don't get the credit that they deserve. Kyrie Irving is a guy that just doesn't get, I don't, I don't think, any credit, you know, uh, or maybe some. Like, if you I, ask I think, the casual NBA fan, they would say that Kyrie's a bad person. Like, yes. that, I, I don't think that would be an uncommon take. Like, but if no. you actually study him and, you know, follow him on a, a regular basis or to the extent which we do on the buzz or most Nets fans do, you realize the general good that he does off the court for people. And he really, like you said, Jack, in, in a time like this, you need to appreciate that a little bit more because it'd be very easy for him not to do it, especially with the way that people critique him and give him such exactly. a hard time. If he was just like, hey, I'm going to hold on to my own money, give it to my kids and my family, F everybody else, like I wouldn't blame him. And that's not a bad thing. Like you can't blame anybody if they do do that. But the fact that he's so generous with his money just showcases what type of person he really is. I said this on the NBA outlet. I'll say it now. I'll say it now. He wants his damn respect too, to quote his former team, <laughs> and he deserves it. Um, you can dis you can disrespect him for things that are disrespectful, but you should respect him for things that are beyond respectful. This is beyond yeah. respectful. This is generous and and, and 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 just so many good ways and so many good things that he does. Again, actions speak louder than words. We, the, it's a saying that we are taught since we're in primary school and preschool yep. you know you do good things and good things happen to you and you'll get credit for them unless i guess you're kyrie irving and some other people but um nick that's all i got now uh, somehow yeah. we stretch out the this news pod we probably could have split this one into two but uh, you guys have got a nice bumper one for you yeah all right jack as always a pleasure big thanks everybody for listening you can find us on all streaming platforms nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in america and the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.